0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. How do you feel about smacking as a form of discipline? Some parents will argue that they were smacked as a child and it didn't do them any harm. Others are dead against it. In Australia, it's legal to smack your kids if it's considered reasonable, although there appears to be no clear outline on what reasonable entails. Now, research from Harvard University studying 147 children has found that smacking can alter brain development, even if it's considered light. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is a psychologist and author. Hi, Vanessa, how are you?
1: Doing well, thank you
0: how can smacking if it's not aggressive affect a child's brain development
1: well i think that um all smacking on some level is aggressive it's just on this continuum of how extreme the aggression has become. And what we know is that when children are intruded upon in those kinds of ways, uh, in terms of discipline, it actually alters the way the brain is developing, particularly in terms of two key things. One is the emotional circuitry that lives sort of in the base of the brain around the stress response system. And the second, as the smacking becomes more and more severe and consistent and intense, it actually alters a very key set of neural networks in the front or prefrontal cortical regions of the brain that impact everything from how the child is going to form relationships with other human beings to how they will perceive certain kinds of situations and even how they make decisions. Prior to this
0: research and, and looking at it that way, I know for a long time now, parents have known that smacking is not a great form of discipline. Are there other ways that smacking can affect the child? You mentioned their decision-making and processing of situations. Now, does it ever affect their behaviour?
1: Mm-hmm. In fact, what we see is that kids actually have a propensity to more problematic behaviour, and in addition to that, are more vulnerable to things like anxiety and depression if they have been smacked. And so smacking does not beget improved behavior. Smacking actually begets increased dysregulation, which means the brain is emotionally not settled and sorted. And with that increased dysregulation from a neurological and emotional perspective, the child will have to act out given that behavior is always a form of communication. That's how they're going to let us know that they're not okay. And then over time, you know, as that repeats and those neural networks never have an opportunity to settle out. That's what makes the child vulnerable to increasing mental health challenges like anxiety and depression.
0: It's smacking because of the threat that it imposes, whether it's um, really hard or soft or light, it's an aggressive act. Is that what sort of triggering the fight or flight response in a
1: child? Exactly. And what we know is that when children are engaging in misbehavior of any kind, they are in some way, shape or form a dysregulated state. So already we have a brain that's a little bit wibbly wobbly in that moment. And then rather than coming alongside that brain and settling it down, calming it down, giving it an opportunity to even out, we come in and we smack either lightly or more firmly. And we ah, send that brain into another loop of being quite activated. And there's this rule in neuropsychology that goes like this, neurons that fire together, wire together. So through neuroplasticity, which is the brain's openness to external experience and how that experience is going to change the way that the brain wires up, these repeated experiences actually create a brain that in fact becomes very good at being activated and not so good at being settled and sorted. And there are very egregious long-term impacts for that kind of a brain.
0: Would... yelling have a similar impact then if it's um I know all parents yell at one time or another but if parents for example see that yelling at their kids when they do something wrong and the child being scared because they're being yelled at and therefore that impacting their dis- their behavior so they're like I'm scared I've done the wrong thing I'm definitely not going to do that again um is Is yelling on a similar level to smacking in the sense that it is an aggressive act towards a child?
1: I so love that you've asked this question because very frequently we make this sort of broad sweeping conclusion that hitting is bad and then all other forms of discipline are thus okay. And really when we dig into the science around child development, what we discover is that any kind of discipline that involves aggression or intrusiveness, whether it's a physical aggression and intrusiveness and or an emotional aggression or intrusiveness actually impacts the brain in very similar ways and so there's been a lot of really interesting research looking at how the brain in a child is affected in the face of non-physical but still very sort of intrusive and aggressive forms of discipline including yelling and shouting and including isolation or what a lot of people refer to as timeouts that that kind of approach to discipline actually affects the brain in the very same way that physical abuse or smacking would affect the brain.
0: So what do you say then to those who say it works? So a parent who says, well, when I yell at them, they do the right thing. When I put them in isolation, they change their behaviour. What do you say to those parents who already feel that that form of discipline works?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. One is we have to define what it is that you are using as your criteria to determine that it has, quote, worked. If your option is uh, or your criteria is, I want to squash the behavior and you succeed in squashing the behavior, then I suppose you're right. It has worked. However, if we look at a secondary question, it has worked, but At what cost? So what has it cost the child in terms of their health and well-being and overall developmental trajectory for you to have inserted yourself in that way in terms of managing their behavior? And the cost to the child is that they learn a very significant lesson. The lesson that they learn is that their health and well-being and you as the big person in their life providing for their health and well-being is contingent upon good behavior. And that good behavior, when we really look at child development, actually is a made-up construct. You know, two-year-olds have tantrums, and three-year-olds don't share, and nine-year-olds sometimes act like three-year-olds. All of these things are actually developmentally super appropriate. Children do not need to be made wrong for this, they need to be understood in that and they needed to be responded to in ways that are both firm and kind so that's the first response that I would have is what is your measure of it worked and the second is I'm always very intrigued by grown-ups who say things like well you know I was smacked as a child and I turned out fine so all of that works but did it really because you were smacked as a child and you've now grown up into an adult who thinks that it's okay to hit a child in order to control them. Mm. And if we're looking at outcomes and measurement, do we really call that you turned out okay?
0: Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so when you mentioned there that the, the more appropriate way to response to a child who is, uh, let's say, acting out, misbehaving, what are the most effective ways then to discipline that child?
1: Yeah. And so in my uh, first book, Discipline Without Damage, I talked about the nine stepping stones. And you don't have to memorize all nine stepping stones, of course, to be able to manage a disciplinary moment with a child. But the key focus of every single kind of response that we could have to a child is that it embodies kind of two elements. One is that we show up and we be big, we be firm, we have rules and norms and boundaries and expectations, and we put those into place with consistency and with what I call swagger. So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is that we always come at that with an equal measure of compassion and confidence kindness centered in protecting and safeguarding the relationship that we have with our children. So when we can be focused in equal measure on being firm and kind, then we find that we are responding by putting boundaries in place when those boundaries really matter, that we are responding by being very informed about development and where it is that our particular child is at developmentally and what they need on this moment, on this day, in terms of their bigger picture of life, and then we step in alongside that, not being awful and horrible to them, but being kind and compassionate. And any kind of disciplinary response that flows from that kind of place is going to go the distance in terms of teaching the child the ins and outs of this thing that we call life and not putting other roadblocks in their way in terms of their developmental success.
0: And I think if I've learned anything from talking to you and hearing your advice is that Um, it resonates when you say it and then I do it and then my child will keep misbehaving (laughs) but Mm -hmm. that it is a long game that we're playing here that if we're going to say that we need to understand where our child is at developmentally we also need to understand that they're not going to absorb every lesson the first time they learn it. Much like us, we make mistakes all the time and we keep making the same mistakes, but what I'm trying to say is that you take the the road of discipline with kindness and compassion, Mm -hmm. you have to appreciate that it's not going to necessarily work overnight, but it will happen.
1: It definitely will happen. And the long-term gains towards really just taking time to allow that root system to dig in deep will uh, eventually transpire into the plant or your flower, like blossoming and producing incredible fruit. And so we do have to keep our eyes on that long-term horizon. You know, I once read a, a graphic quote somewhere on social media that said something along the lines of, if all six-month-old children were put in walking school, within a single generation, we would think that children needed to attend walking school in order to learn how to walk. And the same can be true of the biases and sort of information that we have onboarded as parents. We think That it's because we've timed them out or taken their toys away from them or whatever it is that they eventually figure out how to share or how to not hit or all of these kinds of things. But in fact, it isn't those, quote, interventions that help our children figure those things out. Rather, it's the simplicity of maturation over time that has the child figure it out. In short, their brains grow. Yeah. And as their brains grow, they put it together. We don't need to be hostile in the way that we approach discipline with our children.
0: Vanessa, I love chatting with you. Thank you so much for talking to us today.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: That psychologist and author, Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, she is the author of several books, and I'll put links to the one she mentioned, Discipline Without Damage, in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at parentbrand.com.au. See you next time.